Welcome to the Launch University Podcast, turning good intentions into reality in your career, business, and life. Here's your host, Kevin Jennings. Okay, my friends, Kevin here, and I am grateful to be the representative for the team as we've been going through our uh, 100th episode celebration uh, victory lap. We can call it whatever we want to, but it's really for us, it's just a matter of um, thanking all of our guests for their time over the past two years, thanking the team behind the scenes for their work. And I'm going to give a couple of quick shout outs right up front for the people who are making this happen behind the scenes over the past two years. Um, And we're going to start with Joanna, who is our project manager for the marketing side of some of the work we do, uh, Aaron Johnson, who kind of helps us run some of the operational pieces we we work on as a group, um, as well as uh, Jules Kim, who has been serving as our content lead uh, from the very beginning and helping us make sure we put out great content for you all and uh, making sure that we do our job to make it great for you. Uh, We have Cherry Mayola, who's been working with us to help us keep all of our graphics figured out and making sure we have things uploaded on time. New additions to the team over the past summer, Ashley Edmonds, uh, my wife, Leah, who helps out with show notes as well recently. So thank you all for your help on that. Um, And then we also have our audio editor who makes us sound great and has made us sound better over time with every episode. And that's uh, Mr. Kyle Cummings. Um, So, Kyle, thank you for your hard work, my friend. We are very grateful for you and George Camel, who uh, helped us launch this podcast back in the day and lended his voice uh, and music uh, to help us get this off the ground. George, we are grateful for you as well. All right. So as we kind of come to the end of this series of our celebratory episodes, this episode, I've kind of themed it in my heart as kind of the start small episode or or the excuse killer episode. So if you have had an excuse about why you haven't started and you want to hold on to that excuse, you might want to skip this episode because by the time this is done, you will have zero left. The people on this episode started with almost nothing. They did it on the side. They did whatever they had, much like many of our guests before. They had resolved. They had no money, and they all stair-stepped it. I think these people are just such great examples of saying, I will start with the smallest kernel of this idea, if that's what it takes, to get this going. So, First up, we have Monica Lage from Break Into Business, sweet, sweet woman and a fantastic visionary leader um, who sat down with David Farmer to talk about how she prototyped her idea and how they gained momentum from that idea. Um, and I won't tell you how, how she prototyped it. I think they all prototyped in different ways. Um, we also have Ashley Jones from Love Not Lost, one of the most incredible episodes and most impactful stories I've ever heard. Uh, Shane and I had a chance to sit down with her at Plywood Presents this past year, 2018. And, and she just really just laid her heart out there about how her pain turned into purpose and that purpose turned into impact in a community of people that were going underserved who were battling the grief or preparing or or with those who had terminal illnesses in their lives and how they how she leveraged that moment to bring healing and, and helpfulness to others and through her nonprofit love not lost you do not want to miss it all right then we have our my new buddy Wes Jones from Honeysuckle Gelato um a fantastic gelato shop uh growing in the in, in Atlanta Georgia and beyond you want to hear their story they have a really another interesting idea about how they got started you won't want to miss it and then we have Courtney DeFeo who's an author and entrepreneur and she shares from her episode with us episode 36 about how to turn your idea into a business and she broke down some of the things she started to do early on and as she got going and then last last but not least uh, one of my really great friends and mentors Carrie Newhoff who sat down with Jeff Henderson and he shared his tips on launching growing and mastering but also mastering your schedule as well um, as you kind of get the ball rolling because as we said not too long ago on, on this podcast there are three common factors in every single launch and that is you that is dealing with people and that's uncertainty so our ability to navigate how well we deal with people how we lead ourselves and how we navigate the tension of uncertainty can make all of the difference in every single launch as we move forward so i won't hold you on those but i do want to say one more thing and that is this there is another thing you got to do when you get started 
And that's talk about the idea. No one, no customer can buy a product. No investor can invest in it. Your spouse can't get on board if you don't share your idea, which then means this. The words you use matter. And let me tell you what typically happens when we get revved up about a new idea. We just start talking about it thinking, oh, I'm not trying to sell you on it. I'm just excited about it and I want your support. But unfortunately, all the person still has are the words you use. So you're, you're, maybe your insecurity about the idea, the jargon you might use, all those things can get in the way of them getting it. And we believe that bad communication really is the graveyard of great ideas. It's where the best ideas go to die. And that's unfortunate. But a dazed look in someone's eyes, a confused look on their face, their hands reaching for cell phones, that's a reality. And, and, and how do we make sure we engage people the right way? Well, let me tell you what Steve Jobs did. He didn't call an iPod an MP3 player. He called it 1,000 songs in your pocket. Do you know why? Because no one knew what an MP3 was. And even if they did, if they didn't know, you know what they'd hear? They'd say, well, what's an MP3? That's the question that, that, that would rise in their minds if, had he used an MP3 player as the descriptor. We would say, oh, what's an MP3? But that's a question. That's a barrier right now to someone's comprehending the big idea. So he said 1,000 songs in your pocket. That sounds appealing. That sounds interesting. And does that travel? Absolutely. That empowers all of us to go sell the idea on behalf of Steve Jobs. So we want to give you that sticky statement, that idea that will help your, your idea carry and get spread without you being physically present. So we've developed a course that does just that. And if you go to myelevatorpitch.net, you can get access to this course. You can buy it right now and enroll and it will get you what you need. And guess what? We include a couple bonuses as well, like our personal brand assessment, as well as a special bonus video called Finding Your Voice, the four presenter voices. So you can figure out your natural communication style and leverage it and optimize it as you go through how you communicate your idea to anyone your boss, your colleague, anyone that you have to get buy-in from as you're presenting your idea. And I'm telling you all, as we, as a group, as we sat around and worked on this material, and, and I got to hear from Jeff and hear from Shane, hear from David about the principles that they were using in their personal lives, it dramatically changed how I present my ideas. Just being really direct, it, 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 it changed everything for me. And I, and I felt that um, just being transparent with you all. I went full time with my, with my business at the end of May. Uh, 2018 and and I've been developing as a moonlighter for over two years to get to the point where I could I could take that leap and the reality was I had to go out and make sales to make that happen and I mean obviously I believe I have a decent product or decent, decent service but that still required conversation first First, first, first. And so you can do the same. And I, I believe it. And I believe this course could be the game changer for you. So go to myelevatorpitch.net and sign up for Elevator Pitch today so you can start using minimum words to get maximum results. All right. That's long enough. They heard the pitch. I believe you. I believe it can change you. But let's jump into our last episode with our good friend, Monica Lage. All right, so let's let's kind of tell folks what you're up to these days because you sure. came back to Atlanta, still mm-hmm. working for Boston Consulting That's Group, right. and then you guys are getting ready to crank up a family. Pick up the story and talk about what happened in your yeah. life. Yeah, so I was um, about to wrap up my two year commitment with the Boston Consulting Group. They had sponsored me to go to business school, which was a huge blessing, and then so on the back end, I committed to them for two years, and so. As that was about to wrap up, it really had me thinking about, you know, what's next. And family was a big part of that. I was pregnant with our first daughter, Hannah, um, and we just moved back to Atlanta. So it was an exciting time for us. And I just felt this tug on my heartstrings that it was also time to pursue something that had been a passion of mine for a long time. And so it actually goes back to a senior project when I was in college. My best friend, Alyssa, and I were on an entrepreneurial streak. We'd launched several businesses during our senior year. And our latest project was we decided we were going to launch a summer camp 
on our business school campus. So think uh, Terry College of Business. Most people are probably familiar with that. Similar University vibe, of Georgia. University yeah. of Georgia. Really nice um, welcoming college community and so there were all these summer camps available on our campus but there was no business camp and we felt like that was a huge miss why are we teaching kids every other subject but no no business at all and we had this fantastic business school so we sat down with the dean and pitched him and he said all right let's do it and gave us the space and so we launched this summer camp Uh, the summer after we graduated from college. We had 30 kids. We had them launching businesses all over the campus. We called it Break Into Business. And it was total chaos, so much fun. And we just felt like we were onto something. We couldn't get enough. And so Alyssa and I both moved to Toronto, continued on with our jobs. I was at the Boston Consulting Group. She went to Bain, um, a competitor in the consulting space. But we would take time off every year and go back and run this summer camp. Our colleagues thought we were insane. You know, consulting is hard work. And so to use your vacation time to go run a summer camp was just a weird thing to do. But I think that looking back on it now, that was such a clear sign that it was something more than just a volunteer project. It was just a real, a true passion of ours. We love to teach and we love to see these kids come alive when they learned about business. So that's how Breaking a Business started. All right. So I want to draw a couple of principles for all of our launchers out there that I'm hearing in that story. First of all, this was born out of passion. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if, if you're out there and you're, you've got this thing uh, that's just sort of welling up within you, take note of that. That's 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 passion. You may need to be acting upon that. Then when I hear you talk about pitching the dean, and you probably didn't have it all figured out, but you just said, we got to give this thing a try. I think of that as a form of prototyping. Mm-hmm. And, and it sounds like you probably refined it a little bit over time. Yeah, absolutely. And then the other idea that comes out of the story thus far is you did all this while you had other stuff going on. So you mm-hmm. you were incubating this idea while in school, while working full time. Um, you, it, it's not like you had all the time in the world to just sort this out. Yeah, I would say that's been a theme for me throughout this entire journey. So after we ran that camp on our college campus for a few years, I ultimately decided to go on to business school. And Alyssa started a business in Toronto that has become incredibly successful um, called RateHub.ca. And so when I was at business school, I decided I still wanted to be doing this. So I applied for a grant and won $3,000 to run a similar project at Harvard campus. So I had kids coming from a low-income school nearby, launching businesses all over campus, terrorizing the business school students, begging them for money, come buy this, come buy that. It was so much fun. Um, But again, it was, I was bringing it with me on this journey that I was on, but I always found a way to come back to it. And so, yeah, it just kept, it stuck with me every step of the way. All right. So I want to, I want to talk for a moment about momentum because it feels like you almost have to start standing still, especially when you, you move into a new town. Now you had the idea, you, you had had a chance to give it a, mm-hmm. a go a couple of times elsewhere, but you're, as you referenced a moment ago, you're having to build contacts, find the kids, you have to create momentum. My sense is now you have a lot of momentum. So can you talk a little bit, there are folks, they may not have it right now, and they need it. Can you share yeah. a little bit about that journey to kind of get some momentum and how, how things so change hard. once you get going a little bit? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's kind of a necessary evil, those those first few weeks or months. But for me, that first year was absolutely the most difficult you know, I kind of put myself out there and I was going into schools and promoting this camp, taking time off from work, just had a lot going on and wasn't seeing a huge response. And I was really, really discouraged. I remember just sitting on the floor in the office of our new house. We didn't have a lot of furniture. You know, we just moved to the city and telling my husband, this is a bus. This isn't working. I, like, I can't even get 10 kids. I just need 10 kids to run this thing this year. And so... It's really my husband that pushed me to continue and to keep going. And he was the number one salesperson for me when I was in a place where I just didn't feel like I could sell it still. But he tells stories. He loves to tell the stories about how I would sit at our living room, um, our dining room table and make cold calls to parents and try and convince them to send their kids to my business camp. He thinks that's 
hilarious now. But, you know, that hard work paid off. And that first summer, I hit my low bar of I need 10 kids. And I said, all right, I'm going to do this. 10 kids, here we go. And that was the best decision I could have made. Those 10 kids created so much momentum for breaking a business. Their parents opened, became raving fans and opened all of these doors for me all over the city, spread the word about it. The next year, those kids came back and brought their friends. And so we went from 10 to 90 Wow! the second year, which was a big jump. And honestly- That's a huge jump. Yeah, and could maybe even have gone a bit farther if it wasn't for, you know, I had a baby in between. And so I was trying to balance that new rhythm um, in my life. But if I hadn't just done it and gone for it with those 10 kids, I never would have got to 90 the next year. So I'm hearing word of mouth. Mm -hmm. You've got uh, folks that become fans that in essence go out and promote on your behalf. Yeah. I've seen some of the publicity that you've received as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've been to other places where like Catherine's Candles, she went, right? Yeah. Tell that story because I saw her pitch at a big event, Jeff Schinneberger's Plywood Presents. She got on stage in front of a big crowd. At the Tabernacle in Atlanta, and she did a presentation. She, she's my definitely my best promotional tool. She is amazing. Yeah, so Catherine came to a summer camp a couple years ago and started this candle business. She's how old? She was nine at the time. Now she's 11. And she just loved it. She loved making these candles. They did really well. She felt like she was onto something. And so we brought her through into our advanced program, which we run during the year for kids who want to pursue the business idea that they have. And then she pitched in our big shark tank called The Final Pitch in February, and she won. She was 10 years old. And so she won $500 in funding and all of these connections. People were buying candles, asking her to um, speak at events. She was on the news. And so she kind of exploded from there. She's sold a thousand candles now at 14 bucks a pop. How about that? Well, you know what I remember? <laughs> She's at the tabernacle at this at Plywood Presents. Yeah. There's easily 800 people in the room. And she's got these awesome slides, which I think she colored. She did, yeah. That's what I remember. Like that is so cool. <laughs> yeah, she she's fantastic, and so she's definitely a fun success story from breaking a business. But we just have so many kids with that kind of passion and heart who are going after it. And what we're seeing more and more is that kids are finishing summer camp, but they're not stopping there. They keep going, and that's really the goal is to push them. You know, get them started, give them the tools, but then support them as they get bigger and better and go farther. What was the the tipping point for you to go, okay, we can actually do this and it provides income? Like, does that make sense? It's like, how how did Uh you get to that point? You know, that's a great question, but in my mind, it wasn't a question. So, So I knew that this was a need, and every time I did a session... I would hear how it impacted the family and each family story was different. So there was a different story of impact, like the Hill family that I just told you about. I ended up creating this really beautiful, like handcrafted wedding album because we had done a couple sessions together. And when Kevin died, I created this really beautiful album, gave it to Rachel, his wife. And she was like hysterical crying and was just like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. A few months later, she's like, I just want to let you know, Ashley, that Anytime my daughter, Evie, has a new person come to the house, she like takes them by the hand, walks them to the sofa, Mm. sits them down in front of the coffee table and opens the book and introduces them to her daddy and tells them his story. Mm. And you're like, dang, that's really powerful. Then I photographed a mom who was pregnant with a baby who was active all during labor. And the second he came out, he wasn't breathing. They put him on life support. They tried to save him. They couldn't. And they asked me to come photograph as they were saying goodbye. And I, I did. Two years later, fast forward, they're pregnant with a healthy baby girl. They have her. I do the newborn session because I was like, I would do this no matter what. Sure. So let's go ahead and celebrate it while we can. Yeah. And as we're doing the session, we did some you know, poses with her that we did for her big brother. And the mom looks at me and was like, Ashley, I don't know if you realize this, but the photos that you took of my firstborn son, those photos are all we have of him, like as a tangible way to, to see him and meet him. Mm. 
that's the only way our daughter is going to meet her big brother. Mm. So like with each family, there was like a different way that these photos impacted. Yeah. So when my husband was like, hey, we got to pay bills. You can't, you know, you just can't keep doing all this for free. And I, the problem, the real problem <laughs> is that I love giving. I'm a gift giver. And so That's I would your give, love language. I yep. would give yep. albums. I would give artwork. I would give prints. And my husband's like, okay, this is actually like costing us a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> it's not just files <laughs> right. anymore. It's not just free. It's yeah. not just your time. It's like actually money out of our pocket too. Yeah. And so for me though, it was like, I understand, but also with the stories of impact, there is no way that I am going to stop doing this. Mm -hmm. So I will figure it out and I will not charge them. Well, so the next logical thing for me was, okay, nonprofit, let's do this. And, and if I have, and I have been, unfortunately, uh, around people that have gone through stuff like this, mm -hmm. I, I would pull out my checkbook in a heartbeat to provide mm -hmm. something for somebody. Yeah. And therein lies the business model, right? right. You, like, you tap into the energy or the community around those individuals, I would assume, and that helps to cover some or defray some of that cost around that, I would imagine. Yeah, and another thing I think that's worth noting that actually you said, I think that we can often forget because a, a lot of this podcast is about, okay, you know, dissecting what you experience and us kind of taking the lessons out so we can all kind of learn from your experiences. And some, when we talk a lot about, you know, empathy and understanding before mm -hmm. you jump into creating solutions and prototyping yeah. and, and really giving you a process. But what you talked about also was just determination too, right? There's a little bit of will, like, hey, okay. I will figure this out. And I, and I just want to remind people, like, yes, we want to help you be successful more often. Mm -hmm. But there's a reality that somebody's just down, I'm just going to figure this out. Like, I'm, I, I mean, this, this matters too much. And yes, I might need to find the right version of this, mm -hmm. whether it be for-profit, non-profit, et cetera, but I'm not walking away from it, too. And I, right. and I think cause you could have easily said, oh, I guess I got to do more weddings. Right. You know, you're like, no, 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 no. Like, that's not the answer. Like, the answer is more mm -hmm. of this, not more weddings so I can do this once a week or once right. a month. It's this more often. And I think it's a really powerful idea for all of us to kind of remember. Yeah. And to be fair, like, I am very business-minded. Sure. So one of the things that... As soon as I had the idea for the nonprofit, I did a ton of research of, is there anyone else doing anything like this? Can I partner with someone first? Because I know starting a nonprofit is a ton of work. Yep. Way more than I thought, which is probably a good thing. <laughs> um, and so that was something that I knew, okay, if, you know, if I could find another organization, I could just volunteer with them and help them grow. But as I did research, I would find a photographer here, a photographer there offering the same thing that I was doing, but no one on a large scale. And of the organizations that did a large scale, a lot were really selective about who they served. And that was a problem for me because when Skylar was diagnosed at two months old, we called this organization called Now I Lay Me Down to Sleep. And they photographed babies that never make it home from the hospital. Well, at two months old, Skylar had made it home. So we didn't qualify for their services. Oh. But, and I get it, you know, they mm -hmm. need to serve their people. Mm -hmm. But I was devastated because I was like, my daughter's dying too, and we need photos. Mm -hmm. And then I thought about, you know, I have friends with terminal illnesses. I have, you know, spouses, grandmas. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, everyone has loved ones that they love yeah. and they want to remember. And so for me, it was really, really important that we didn't discriminate by age or illness. So there were other organizations that only served people with cancer. Well, we had a super rare genetic disorder within Skylar that it was like, well, we need love too, right? Yeah. So that was something, as I did my research, there really wasn't anyone hmm. that was openly accepting of ages and illnesses. A lot of people had discriminations based on certain categories that eliminated a lot of people from their care. And so that was really important to me. Um, and also, I, I, from the beginning, I knew I'm a big macro world changer thinker. And so from the beginning, I was like, this is going to be a national organization. And we're working towards that right now. That's awesome. So, I mean, I think it's interesting because you essentially you were kind of filling the gap of all the niches. Like right. yep. there were all these niche companies. Mm -hmm. You said, hey, holistically, if you pull up, there's a larger need and we want to fulfill that need yeah. and we want to do it globally. Right. See, and that's another big lesson, right? Because once again, you hear a lot of common knowledge of the riches are in the niches. You need to specialize. Mm -hmm. and, and, and you are specializing. But the reality is 
but to your point, there's, there is a there is a middle ground or, or or maybe a higher issue you can solve with the same solution. Mm-hmm. You think look at it differently, and so I, I mean, once again, that's powerful. All by well, itself. it started with you you identifying a customer that mm-hmm. was not having a need fulfilled, right? Right. And they were they were in these gaps, and you said, okay, I'm going to fill that gap with the services that I have and the passion that I have, and mm-hmm. I, lo- I love that idea. I'm curious a little bit. This is such emotional work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think everybody that's passionate about something, they bring emotion to that business or that idea. But this is on a different plane, right? This yeah. is literally life and death, and mm-hmm. you're dealing with uh, just devastation. Heavy, stuff, yeah. heavy, heavy stuff. How do you separate the two? I mean, because you've got a business to run, mm-hmm. you've got a life to live, your own right. life. And I'm sure every time you step into that, it reminds you of some things in your own oh, yeah. life. How do you how do you keep those two things separate or can you? You don't. And yeah. I think that's where people get into trouble because they try and they try and keep it separate. But like your heart is your heart, right? Mm-hmm. And so if you're... If and you're, it's with you all the time. It's with yeah. you all the time. <laughs> and if you try and shove it down, it's still beating. Yeah. And it's like, hey, I'm feeling right now and you need to feel this with me. And I think, you know, one of the things that I've really learned over the past couple of years is that grief and joy aren't mutually exclusive. You can feel both at the same time. And a perfect example of that was last July 18th. So it was just like a week ago um, or two weeks ago now. <laughs> like losing track of time. Um, was my husband's birthday. And I got a phone call from Children's Hospital. And they were like, hey, we have a family. They're saying goodbye to their child today and we need a photographer and we have not been able to reach any of the photographers that normally work with our hospital. Will you come? Will you show up? Mm. And I was like, oh shit. Like, yeah, yeah. I was like, this is my husband's birthday. Like yeah. his, his parents are coming into town to take us out to a nice dinner tonight and I know this is gonna wreck me. But I can't say no, right? Because yeah. I'm their last call. And if I don't show up, they don't get photos of their child. So how was the birthday party in the, ho- in the hospital? Right, <laughs> I'm wondering right. how you pulled this off. Yeah, right. so, and, and to your point, you, you have to feel and you have to process your emotions. Yeah. So literally I went to the hospital. The mom was like, I don't want any pictures with tubes in my child's body. So I was like, okay, do you, do you want to wait for the baby to pass? And then I'll take pictures afterwards. And she was like, no. Like, as soon as you pull those tubes out, I want photos. And so I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to watch this baby die. Uh. So I, I mean, it was like someone had pulled a grenade and threw it at me. And I caught it and just watched it blow up right in my face. And I was crying hysterically. I watched a mom and dad together just like watch their baby die and hold them and grieve. Oh my gosh. And I, I mean, honestly, and, and to be fair for everyone listening, that was like worst case scenario session. I, I have not done a session that hard ever. Most of the sessions are more like normal portrait sessions with like just a tinge of sadness. But that one was a, a really, really hard one. And it was on my husband's birthday. And so I literally like sat in my truck and was like, what do I do with this? Because I am such a wreck inside. There is no way I can show up and love my husband well this evening with his parents and celebrate his birthday. So I sat there and I was like, what, what do I need? Because our bodies try and communicate with us. Mm-hmm. And if we listen, we can actually have a conversation with our own selves and be mindful of how we feel, what we need, what brings us rest, what makes us feel loved, and what brings healing. I'm so fascinated. So you're literally in your kitchen, you're sitting there going, okay, let's start our own business. Yeah. Like in your mind, how did, what was the first step of that? Because I I guarantee there's people out there listening to this podcast going, so what do you do next? Sure. I mean, I I think the, the, the first step in any process is convincing yourself that it's the right thing to do. Oh, that's great. Um, yeah. You, you know, at first, like I said, we kind of joked about it. But, you know, once we realized that there was opportunity there, you know, we had to ask ourselves the questions of like, what's the best way for us to start this business? You know, what we didn't have a lot of money. 
at that time, food trucks were popular. So we said, you know what, this is a great way for us to, with, with limited resources, start a business, get our brand out there, test our product, get some cash flow going almost immediately that can help fund what we ultimately want to make out oh, of this business. Oh, that's so good. So we, it's, like, it's like a prototype that's got cash flow. Absolutely. The, the food truck does, and that way you can kind of test out what you're doing. At the same time, that cash flow is offsetting maybe some of the expenses of the equipment. Uh, absolutely, so. absolutely. So that was our way of, of starting. We kind of <laughs> got sucked into the food truck world, in my opinion, a little longer than we, than we probably should have because we always wanted to be a brand that people could get at a restaurant or at a grocery store and we always we and we have since then but we've always also wanted to open our own retail stores so mm. the food truck was a perfect way for us to get the brand out there test stuff out and it did allow us kind of a great transition and gave us a great story to be able to pitch places like Pont City Market where our where our retail store is now you know we had a little bit of credibility i do think it can be tough for people to convince themselves of like hey you know like Who's going to take me seriously? But yeah. if you make that jump, people are going to take you seriously. You know, mm. I mean, I think that's that's an important lesson to learn. Is it's going to be tough. You know, it, it might not be that immediate success that you're hoping to to have. You know, we're kind of hoping to be a, a ten year overnight success. You know, yeah. we've got three more years to get there. Yeah. But uh, you know, really convincing yourselves. I that love the way you said that a ten year overnight, overnight success. Yeah. There's wisdom in that, folks. Yes, I hope you're listening to that. It's really, really good. You know, there, there are two sides to that answer. One is certainly, you know, we were at a certain point when we were, when we were growing where we were hiring out of necessity mm-hmm. and not looking at the bigger picture of, like, who do we need to fill this position? We were looking at it from the perspective of we need to fill this position. And, and it, you know, we went through a couple people that weren't the right fit for our our organization and our culture because we just said we need we need a person. Yeah. We need a person so you know like if you walk through the store warm and, body. And, yeah. And, and that was a hard lesson to learn. Yeah. And, and you know you don't hopefully not everybody learns that lesson that way. So sure. there, there was that side of it. The other side is we are looking to grow a lot faster over the next 3 years than we have over the past 3. And a lot of that growth is going to require or <clears throat> we hope a lot of that growth is going to mean shops outside of the city and the state. Yeah. And if we don't really take a, a good hard look at our culture and how we hire and who we want to hire, you know, we're going to be in trouble when That's we open good. in Charlotte and Nashville and yeah. Charleston and Savannah and all these other places that I'm not going to be able to... I can I can be at our shop in five minutes from our office. Wow. I can't drive to Charlotte, you know, at 10 a.m. on a Tuesday because something went wrong. Yeah. You know, I have... I have kids and stuff that I have to worry about here. I can't yeah. just always right. pick up and, and, and be there. So, so Wes, think about, um, as we think about the audiences listening, what would be some advice to some folks? What what When you look back and you say, hey, I would recommend you should do X, whatever X is to be successful. If you're starting out, think about this. And then also think about, and if it were me, I would be careful of this like what are those two things what would you suggest it's a suggestion and then maybe some helpful tips i mean i i think really it, it might feel like a a cheesy exercise when you go through it but really defining what your core values are going to be as a company hmm. not just hey i you know we have this idea we've got this cool product and we're going to go do it you know what what problem are you solving, and how are the how is your culture a part of solving that problem? Mm. Oh, that's good. Um, and that that's tough, and it, it it does it can feel cheesy or or like it's something you're just supposed to do when you get started. But if you don't do it, you're gonna you're gonna wake up five years down the road. Hopefully, you'll still be in business. And if you are, you might have this. You know, say you have fifty employees. And you realize your entire culture is not what you envisioned, and and you don't see your business growing the way it should grow. Mm-hmm. You know, you have fifty people there that have been working with you for a while. Yeah. How, how do you change that culture? Yeah. Yeah. You know, how how do you? Well, you know what I love about this too question. is it's. I mean, a lot of folks maybe listen to this and go, "Well, I'm not starting my own business." That same principle holds true if you're leading. Like, yeah, right. what's the problem you're trying to solve as a leader, yes. and what is my culture going to do to if help you me have do that? Any, what if you culture have any am I creating? employees under you, or if you yes, have any, absolutely. you know, teammates that are that are 
sitting beside you on projects, you're part of your own business. Whether it's whether you're the one signing the checks or not, it doesn't matter. You yeah, are you are running point. a business. Great yeah. point. Um, you know, for, for what you said, you said core values. You also said the problem you're solving. I want to go back to that one more time. We, we, we harp on this all the time on this podcast, but I think you said this. You kind of said it so comfortably. To me, problem equals mission. Right. The minute we have a problem we're trying to solve, we have we have something we can galvanize around. What is the mission of Honeysuckle Gelato? What is the, what is the problem you're solving? Well, I, I think it's best answered by our core values. You know, we we did start the business because we saw the opportunity to make a great southern gelato. People in the south did, you know, still might be afraid of the word, so we want to create flavors that that people are comfortable with that'll draw them to us. Sure. And and if they see the word gelato, they're not like, "Oh no, I can't do that." But but our core values are to spread joy, you know, and, and then it's quality, teamwork, and integrity and passion. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's our mission really is to spread joy, hmm. and the the rest of the core values fall underneath that. Wow, I and love it's, that. You know, we make a fun product. You know, yeah. we make yeah, something that you're supposed that's to share great. share with friends. We make something that you know you're gonna eat it if you're happy. You're gonna eat it if you're sad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, so you know? true. And so if you're true. sad, and it should you're bring joy. It, and it should bring joy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So go back to so what would be one piece of advice? Say, you know what? We did this. I probably wouldn't do this. I wouldn't recommend yeah. if you're starting something. I, I think. If you're starting your own business, and I heard this when I got started and I did not heed this advice, however much money you think you need, double it. <laughs> um, oh, that's great. And and just uh, the other... Don't outside, underestimate the resources don't, don't needed to get started. That's don't good. underestimate what you need to get this started. And, and the other side is, it took me a long time to learn that if you don't have balance in your life, you're not going to be very successful. I, when we started, my business partners and I, we worked all the time, and it took me getting to the point where I said, if I don't cut myself off at a certain time every day and go spend time with my wife, go spend time with my friends and my family, then I'm just going to go crazy. And as soon as we kind of made that collective decision as a group, we started doing better. You, wow. you know, as a business owner, there's always work to be done. Yeah, there's good. always work to be done, and if you don't sit down at the beginning of every day and say, these are the things I have to get done. I need I need to do three things today. It's it's these three. If I get these done by noon, what are the other things I can do? And try and and try and do those until you've reached that comfortable time of, you know what, I need I can continue working on this until the morning, but I'm gonna go home. I'm gonna decompress. I'm gonna be with the ones I love and then I'll get back at it tomorrow. Because you can work nonstop. And that was my hardest lesson was learning to say, I'm going home. It's five o'clock. I'm going home. You know, I I once heard an author talk about how the reason you don't take words across the entire piece of paper is because your mind needs margin to process things, right? (laughs) Right. That's why there's margins, right? Same thing for you. That's what I hear you saying. It's like creating that margin allows you the kind of time you need to think about the business because otherwise you're just working on the work. You're not thinking about your work and thinking about the business. So those are great, great messages and reminders. One of the things I mentioned was the passion point for me and my kids, but also what I was looking at what was missing in the marketplace. And so I was watching and kind of going after what did I need for my kids as far as character education, not like Disney characters, but character as in virtues right. and values. I was like, I want so desperately for me to teach them things that matter, but I was not finding it out in the marketplace. And I thought, this is not out there. You know, this was five or six years ago when there wasn't everything you could have possibly find on Pinterest, um, on Etsy, and not in Hobby Lobby. And so I would go into LifeWay or Family Life, and I'm like, this stuff is so 1982. And that sounds very superficial, but I really wanted Pottery Barn or Ikea or Trendy or Hipper things to merge with the Christian faith. And I thought, this has, is not being done very well. You guys were doing it fantastic. I was at North Point, and I thought, they're doing very relevant things for my children. But Monday through Friday, I don't have some really practical things to use for my kids. So I remember coming to meet with you, and I said, Jeff, I have this idea. Like, I want my kids to know Scripture, but I want it to be cool enough, fresh enough that's going to sit out on my desk. And I showed you ABC Scripture cards, and I showed you another product called My Little Money Jars that really played off of what you guys were teaching about give, save, and live. And I said, I think this will work. I think parents will actually use these teachings in a way that it will sit out and they'll engage with it. And so your suggestion was, um, you know, have a hero product like Chick-fil-A does in the chicken sandwich. And I ignored you. (laughs) And I was too excited because I thought I needed to have more than one product to be considered like a real deal. I didn't want to be like 
Oh, cute. She's got a craft at home, and she's just a mom trying to – I wanted like to have a legit company. So I launched with two products, and what I learned was one of them went gangbusters right away, and the other one did not. And so I was like, man, Jeff was right. Can I, you say that again? Jeff was right. <laughs> Jeff kidding. Henderson. Wendy, Jeff Henderson was That's right. right. So, but what I learned, if you go into Pinterest, and Pinterest is a big referral site for a lot of – um, you know, especially products that moms are looking for, they, Pinterest is a huge source. So if you go into Pinterest.com backslash source and then put your site, you can see where women and especially moms are pinning things. And what I could see is that women were pinning ABC scripture cards like crazy and buying them like crazy. This is the best thing. Oh, I can't wait to use these. This is what I've been looking for. Love them, love them, love them. And my sales were depicting that. What I could see behind the scenes, and I was doing this like, it felt like I was sneaking into people's computers, but I could see they were pinning my little money jars and saying, these are awesome. I can't wait to make them. Can't wait to make these myself. This is such a clever idea. Love them. And nobody was buying them. And so I had to have maybe, I don't know, maybe it was a year, but I had to have like let go of a child and go, this is, this did not work. But yeah. it was painful because yeah. you put so much effort into creating something and, and then seeing people just basically rip it off. But they were saying that it's too expensive, it's glass, and I literally can make these myself. And so after a while, I decided not to, and this is a key learning for people, to say like, that time wasn't wasted. It was a huge learning. Right. And what I did was I decided to make it a do-it-yourself post on my blog and said, here's how you can make these at home, because I still believed in the concept. I thought teaching kids finances and how to literally bucket their money as far as give, save, and live in jars matters for families. So let me put it on my site, drive traffic to my site for sales of the scripture cards, and then now it's a chapter in my book that I wrote a couple years later. Well, that's such a great example because it shows, Courtney, that you're more interested in your tribe and your community than making a buck off of your tribe or community. So if you finally said, you know what, here's how you make this, you should still get the scripture card. And we're not, we're certainly not against selling anything. Um, but I just felt like you said, you know what, I learned something from this, so I'm just gonna deal with reality and move on. doing exactly what we're talking about. You're a launcher. You've, you've yeah. launched churches, you've launched books and podcasts. And it's one of the many reasons I wanted to talk to you because tell us as you've launched all this, and then now that you're in a transition season, talk about some of the best practices that you've learned that you've been able to, to use, whether it's a church, podcast, online product, what are some of the best launching practices that you could share with us? Well, I think everybody's kind of got... Um an initial group that you start with. Like when I launched Connexus Church eight years ago, uh, there were a number of us who had been together for about 12 years, and we just said, hey, do you want to start over again in a non-denominational context? So that was a pretty big launch. We started with a pretty big base of like hundreds and hundreds of people. Um, but before that, I started with like, I think, I think you start where you start. And so when I started in ministry 21 years ago, Jeff, we kind of had to launch new churches and existing churches because the existing churches were just so small and, and, and not strong. They hadn't grown in literally 40 years. One of the churches had six people in it. Another had an average attendance of 14 and the mega church had 23 people attending. So, <laughs> you know, and the average age, I was 30. I mean, the average age of the people in the church were like, uh, 50 years more than me. It was crazy. Wow. Maybe not 40. But, you know, they were all in their 60s, 70s, 80s. And a lot of people look at that and go, oh, there's no potential. But, like, I was young, and I didn't know any better, so I just thought, well, this is what I got. Let's figure this out. And um, that small group of aging people in a stuck congregation within five years became the fastest-growing Presbyterian church in the country. Wow. And, you know, it was just, it was just vision, and, and you start with what you have. And I think... You know, I think two things can paralyze people who are launching. One is you think you need a million dollars and you need a thousand people or 10,000 people. And the truth is you don't. Like I had, I, I say I've been blogging for four years, Jeff, but I started a blog eight years ago. And like most bloggers, it was uh, fits and starts, right? You know, right. so every January, there's a lot of posts. But by the time you get to March, right, it gets a, a little crickety. Lean, right. Yeah, a little lean, a little lean. It was a lean month. That's the way you would put it. And so <laughs> I did that on and off. I actually started the blog because we were starting a church, and it was the easiest way to communicate with people. And, you know, so I was very consistent. But then after the launch phase of Connexus Church, where I serve now, um, my blog, it's kind of like, well, 
while it was looking for a purpose. And I almost shut it down twice because, you know, you have these best of intentions that you're going to blog and then you just don't and you're embarrassed and you're like, Ugh, I have no credibility. Um, but I released my second book in 2012 and I had just read Michael Hyatt's Platform, which I'm sure, even though it's an older book now, um, still really, really relevant, really helpful. Right. I'm sure a lot of your listeners have read that book. And I just realized I needed to own some real estate, and I already owned real estate. It was just kerryneuhoff.com, so why not just make it better? So I spent a grand total of, I think, $79 on a new theme, uh, got a friend to install it, and I started, I just made a commitment to blog uh, three times a week. That was it. That was September of 2012. Um, Another thing that really helps me, because I'm very driven, is I set goals. And so I just decided, Jeff, that I was going to try to reach 100,000 leaders in that first year of blogging in 2013, which to me seemed absolutely inconceivable, like impossible. It was a ridiculous target. But I knew the only way I was going to motivate myself to you know, actually get up at five o'clock in the morning and write three times a week was was going to be to have a ridiculous goal. So I had that that huge goal. And I think at the time, even with my fits and spurts, I was maybe getting 30,000 liters a year. So it's like, I need triple the traffic, more than that, to to motivate myself. And it's amazing what consistency does. Like literally for a $79 theme and just a little bit of mojo and getting up early in the morning, um, Man, it wasn't 100,000. I was blown away as I started to share whatever I wrote on. That was another strategy for launch. It was like, well, I'm on Twitter and I'm on Facebook and LinkedIn and Instagram as it was sort of starting out, or maybe it was Hipstagram at the time. I can't remember. But I thought, I'll share what I have on my existing social media channels, thinking, Jeff, that, that it would actually shut everybody down. Like thinking that all my friends would go like, you're an idiot, you're just a spammer, and I'm going to defriend you. Well, just the opposite happened. My social media platform started to grow as I linked to stuff I was writing, and we didn't reach 100,000 page views in the first year. It was, to my utter shock, 700,000 pages. Wow. Okay, so... I hope you got something out of that. I, I believe you did. There's so much there that I I, I really can't unpack all of it. I have plenty of notes here in front of me uh, from that from the conversations. But I'm just gonna jump one that really got me. When I, I'm sure you could hear it in in Shane's voice when he responded, when our good friend Wes Jones said, "We are kind of hoping to be a 10 year overnight success." Man, if that doesn't just hopefully set you free when it comes to the pursuit of your idea, that that's the reality, right? You know, for some people, based on, you know, where they are and in, in, in the country, restaurants that could have been dominating in one place are just making their way to another place, right? And so what feels like success as far as when we get the praise for it may come way down the road. But the reality is if we're willing to take the first step and keep moving, things can work out in our favor as we move forward. And so I think that was one thing that just jumped out to me just as an inspirational idea as we move forward. But, but there's a lot to do here, right? And that means sometimes we have to decide where, where we can bite off that smallest piece. I think Eric Ries in Lean Startup, the book, he calls this your minimum viable product, right? So what is the smallest thing I can do that meets the essence of the need of someone I'm trying to serve? And so I can start small. There's something I can do today. If nothing more, then pitch the idea and see how people resonate with it. Start, start small, my friends, because you can do it and we want to help you get there. So if you enjoyed this podcast today and the others, please subscribe to the podcast. Please subscribe to the podcast. If you've enjoyed our 100th episode celebrations, then I think you will love the rest of this podcast and what we have planned for you going into the end of the year and in 2019. And so subscribe to the podcast, automate your access to this content every week. So when you just pick your phone up on Thursday morning, we are there to greet you. All right. As well as leave a rating or review. We need your feedback. And more importantly, we need 
need to make sure other people get this content. We can't be stingy. We can't hold it in, which is why we are so grateful for these leaders who give us their time and so willingly share from their experiences so we can all grow from it. And so please share the podcast with a friend and give us a rating or a review on iTunes. Five stars are preferred, but honesty is the best policy. All right. So lastly, we are gearing up once again for our big community Q&A episode and we want your questions to be heard. We want your questions to get answered wherever you are on your launching journey, just getting started evaluating an idea or I'm all the way in on it, Kevin. I've been doing this for a while now. We just ran into another barrier and I just want to run it by somebody else. It's a great way to get help, but also a great way to promote what you're doing. When you share it, the community is going to go check it out. So if you say, hey, this is Bill and I'm launching a new idea. We're doing this, this and that. Go to my website to see it. We're going to check the website out before we give you our feedback. But so will the rest of the launch university community. So selfishly speaking, look out for you. Get that question answered, but also you can share what you're doing as well with the community. And we want to make sure we celebrate you and offer you a bit of help as well. So how do you do that? Launch University, that's Y-O-U-University.com forward slash question, forward slash question. And when you get there, we're going to have some guidelines for you to help you make the most of the question, uh, make them, you know, as well as a couple of ways you can do it. You can fill out a form and submit via email. You can click a button on our website and record right from your laptop. And you can use a telephone. So you can call 678-744-7909. That's 678-744-7909. And you can actually leave us a voice message that we will incorporate into the podcast. Because we want your voice to be heard literally and figuratively as we move into that community Q&A episode. Well, friends, this has been an honor. It really has been. I cannot tell you all how much uh, this has enriched my life to be a part of this team and to sit down with these leaders and these launchers and hear what they're what they've learned but more importantly just to try to share what we do have at the end of the day we are in this because we believe that there's something in you that you're trying to launch that the world needs that you know that pain point that makes you feel something at night the way ashley felt something for love not lost that or something as simple as monica and what she thought about saying hey these these young people aren't getting educated on entrepreneurship and at some point they know if they want to start a business they're going to be behind the eight ball but they're going to be behind and, we, and I want to do my part to give them what they need. Maybe, you know, it's something as simple as what Sid Mashburn thought. Hey, there is a way that I can make men and women's lives better through the clothing that they wear, no matter what it is. Even even Wes Jones with gelato, right? I, I mean, I just loved it. Hey, at the end of the day, we want you to enjoy your life. We know that how what we do can can interact with you and your family and, and the memories you create. Um, so long story short, friends, we want to help you do that. So please, 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 thank you for listening to the podcast, but take us up on our offer. If you go to our website, we have free resources there. We have free eBooks that you can download. We have Elevator Pitch at myelevatorpitch.net, a course that will, I guarantee it will make a difference in how you communicate your idea. By lesson two or three out of our out of 10, I guarantee you'll be thinking differently about the next time you open your mouth about your idea. And, um, and, and if you don't text me, let me know, call us, let us know, but I'm, I'm confident that it'll make a difference because we've put some of the best learnings from our experiences and others into the resources that we're sharing with you because we believe in you and believe and believe in your potential. So I can't thank you enough for your support of Launch University. And we look forward to having you join us next week or when we have another great leader on the podcast here on the Launch University podcast. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Launch University podcast. We hope it's helped you move from go-getter to difference maker. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and leave a review. For more helpful resources, visit launchuniversity.com.